It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. From tabletop game design. The fun forever ends. at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, August 9th, and you're listening to episode 480. 80 getting ever closer to 500 what are we gonna do hey your guess is as good as mine but today i am once again joined by one of our current co-hosts and one of my favorite people julio nasario hey Hunas. hunasaru people how are y'all doing how's it going jason it's going well. It's going well. I just got back from some camping, and while people are listening to this, I am also just getting back from camping, uh, from a longer camping <laughs> trip. So lots of camping this summer. Uh, it's a great, it's a real fun family activity. The kids love it. We love it. Uh, it's fun. How about you? Yeah, I may get back into camping maybe in the future when when the when my son grows older because I I used to yeah, be a Boy Scout. Yeah. Uh, oh, cool. So, so that was actually you know I did that a lot. And I really enjoyed it, but uh, I guess I haven't really done it in, in years since I've been a Boy Scout. But I did, however, uh, traveled, and, and my my family and myself, we went to Puerto Rico to uh, just, uh, you know, see the family again, because we haven't seen it since uh, 2019. We haven't been to, to the island since 2019. A lot of things have happened, uh, you know, the island, besides the, the pandemic, before the pandemic started, they started having having earthquakes, uh, yeah, yeah, really often too. I mean, they're like on the smaller side, three and four, and and some fives. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like one or two sixes, but is it, you know every day essentially for last year, uh, and now it hasn't happened as much. Actually, while we were there, there were some ones, but I never felt them because there was a small. Uh, mm-hmm. So. It, you know, and of course the hurricane before that, so the islands just right, been right. A, a turmoil for the last couple of years. Uh, however, regardless of all that, we had a fantastic time. I mean, I just had one suitcase full of prototypes. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. I mean, I brought like fifteen prototypes uh, because they, you know, my 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 uh, sister in laws and their husbands. We're all kind of the same age, um, mm-hmm. and and we, we they just enjoy playing games, and and awesome. whenever I bring them, we always play. And and I was like, well, it's a opportunity to just uh, play test games and iterate on them and keep play testing because basically every single night we played one or two games, so that was awesome. Um, and of course, we went all over the place. We went to the beach, and uh, we went to uh, like. San Juan and and did a couple touristy stuff, uh, and funny enough, uh, they were they still had a mask mandate, so we're, they're still being oh, uh, pretty uh, um, safe about that. Uh, even you know the the with the vaccinations and everything, uh, it's just been here same as the U.S. So most of the people have been vaccinated, but as we were there, they kind of started dropping that uh, mask mandate. Uh, mm-hmm. But regardless of that, uh, you know, traveling with a f- uh, five-month-old, uh, it was interesting. But he did fantastic uh, in the. In it's always the, a wild card, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in the in the plane and everything, he he just he, he was a trooper. He's uh, he he did really well. So it was it was a great That's time. Awesome. And, and honestly, we were a little bummed <laughs> to be back because yeah, 
it That's went weird. from every single day doing something with family to just back to the three of us. And of course, we have friends here and all, but it was right. uh, it was a little sad. But but yeah, that was that was uh, the big thing that happened between now and then, at least awesome. personal wise. Awesome. Well, I was going to talk about the fact that I did play some games lately, which I know you're like, what? You played some games, but I did. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I've been getting together routinely with my friend, Ken Franklin. Um, our family is like his family is, uh, it's him and his wife, Debbie. They're both vaccinated, uh, as are we, our kids aren't obviously cause they're too little. Um, we can't do that yet. Uh, sign us up when we can though, <laughs> as I always say. Um, uh, but we are, um, we, so we've went over there a couple times now and it's great. The kids like last time the kids went swimming there while well, we were able to sit right next to right by them and play games, um and so that was awesome uh so uh the problem with going to ken's house is every time i go to ken's house i end up uh buying more games afterwards (laughs) not Um, from ken though no not from ken no no in fact he's like the last two times i've went there he's actually given me games he's like oh hey i got these extra copies of this here you go or so that's always awesome but uh anyways so i um i after the last time we went there um we played two games that I had, one of which I should have played at some point already, but I haven't. Is I've never played Trekking the National Parks, but I've heard great things about okay. it. Yeah. Um, he happened to have Trekking the World. Um, and uh, so we played that game, and my wife just fell in love with that game, like, immediately. Yeah. Um, she was like, I want to play this game again. Um, so I ordered it off Amazon. It came literally, like, the next day. Uh, and so we played that again this weekend while we were camping. Um which is a hard game to play in a camper because it's a big board. I don't know. Have you played that? Have you played? I have not. I have not. Okay. Um, So yeah, so it was, it was a, it was a good game, a lot of fun. Um, And then the other game we played that I thought was really interesting, which I I did not, uh, I did not buy. Um, My wife didn't like it as much. She enjoyed it, but she was like, I don't know how much I could replay this one. It's called canvas. Have you seen oh, Canvas yeah. before? Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, I I was very interested with that game when you know when the Kickstarter started uh, being delivered, and I was actually looking for it because I thought that uh, my wife wouldn't really enjoy. It. She she's a big fan of Calico, so they did the other Kickstarter with the reflections, um, and and I mean you can talk about the game first, and then I can talk about that. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So the game is if you've not played the game before, it's uh it's pretty cool. It's basically like um uh you are making paintings and you're doing that by having these see-through uh pieces of plastic that are shaped like cards. So you have plastic cards um and it's just it's really inventive because the the paintings go together really well. Like it's each one will have one piece of a painting. They'll have some colors down at the bottom. There are five colors in total, five or six, I can't remember. Um, that you're trying to cover. And then there are different goals by which your painting will be judged when it's over. And uh, it's just, it's, it's really cool. They've It's um, you can tell that it's a boutique game that this company was trying to do. Um, Everything about it is, is like from the fact that it comes a little easels to display your artwork on to the way the cards work. Um, There's a, there's an extra box that hides the see-through cards before you can pull them out. Um, but it's, it's, oh, the, the player board is like a roll up, uh, piece of cloth, um, to make the game a little smaller. So anyways, it was, uh, it was super fun. Um, my wife destroyed everyone else, uh, at the (laughs) game and then still was like, I don't know how much I'd want to play this. Um, but it was, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was very clever. Um, 
Yeah, from like, what was, I hear, it seems like it's, it's a very uh, welcoming game, right? It's a very gateway yeah, game yeah. type deal. Uh, and that's kind of what what I like about it. Of course, the see-through cars is something that's very inventive and, and it's something that I want to work with in the future and actually in the middle of designing a game with something like that. But uh, the mm-hmm. the interesting thing about the Reflections Kickstarter, which is basically a, an expansion or, or maybe a, a, a game that works by itself, is that the see-through cards... Uh, it's the same kind of system, but the some cards are double sided. So even right, though it's right. translucent, it has one side, and, and I can recall one that was actually like a little cone, ice cream cone, and on mm-hmm. the other side it was a it was a frog with a with a cone. So it was still oh. using the same area, but the the art was different on both sides. So that was and that was that's really really cool. So I actually backed it all yeah. in on that one. So I got the original one and the other one. And the other cool thing about that one is that you can you can hang it on the wall cuz it Yeah, it's, Ken showed us that. that. That's that's very clever. The, and it looks like art. Yeah. Here's a new way to store your board games, hang them on the wall like they're art. Um but So yeah, so I have played a lot of stuff lately and it's been really really fun. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, I yeah. mean I, uh, you know, speaking of Kickstarter, I did get my uh, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition uh, Kickstarter, nice. and I just backed the base. Oh, I guess the base game, and there was some thing with uh, the game being released in Target, and it, there are different versions of the game. Uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, I really didn't care for that stuff, but uh, I played the game and I really enjoyed it. It definitely delivered to what my expectations were. Is essentially for those that have played Terraforming Mars, is Terraforming Mars in less than an hour. Uh, you have a small mm-hmm. board. You don't have to do like the cities type of things when it comes to Terraforming Mars. And for those that haven't played, it, I'm not going to explain it now. But uh, it's it's a engine building game, and 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 that you're, it's focusing on the engine building part of things. Uh, but it has all the all the different resources that the original game has. So it has a lot of the base game. It just goes really really fast. Um, I, I I enjoyed it a lot, and it it. it May definitely replace uh, Terraforming Mars for me, even though I don't play it a lot because it's such a long game. Uh, mm-hmm. But if I'm ever going to be teaching Terraforming Mars to somebody, I'm going to bring this one out because you know it's an hour versus three, or uh, that then becomes four when it's a new player. Um, right, right. Of course, uh, you know I did mention that I brought prototypes to Puerto Rico, so I play tested that uh a couple games couple designs of mine there some new ones so it's funny because the day before i left uh i had a great idea for a game and i'm like i'm gonna do whatever's necessary to make a co- uh, a prototype of this game and of bring course it with you me. are <laughs> and i did and i did and the game was a blast actually like i said i iterated it and i'm gonna talk about this game as my pitch later on. Awesome. Awesome. Also, I can't hear about that. Also, while I was in Puerto Rico, I, I also designed another game. And this one is actually one that came up from a wish list from a publisher. I'm signed up to one of their wish lists. Uh, so it was interesting because I was working under these uh, restrictions of, of, of different games. And, and, and that is one of the reasons why one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is is uh, designing to to spec uh, because it is definitely something that in the last cup I mean I guess in this whole year for me it's it's been a lot of designing to spec I did do it uh, some last year uh, but this year even with the Zenobia award to its own extent 
you're designing to a certain expect, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you you, mm -hmm. you have a little more freedom, but that one specifically was a historical game that's based on a cultural perspective that's not used a lot. Uh, of course, it's a little more open there, but but that's a certain spec, right? Uh, and of course, uh, I mean, we we can we can uh, do the transition to that. But is there anything else you you wanted to go, uh, talk about before we got into that? No, no, I would love to. Uh, I'd love to chat about designing to spec. I think it's a good good topic. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, and so so the re again the reason why I wanted to talk about this one specifically it, is because sometimes people don't talk about it, and mainly for the reason because. Uh, sometimes there's NDAs involved. Uh, right, right. Yep. And and you just can't really talk about that stuff because you're a contractual uh, obligation not to. Which is interesting because in which is very something that's usually rare in the board game space. Uh, when when I started uh, designing board games, my first design, I had a little NDA uh, whipped up for my first design, and whoever everybody who played it had to sign my NDA. And of course, I figured that that wasn't really uh, necessary uh, starting out. But now that I'm kind of in these, uh, I guess I would call them like a mail list of certain publishers, especially mass market publishers, mm -hmm. uh, they do these interesting things where they sell out, uh, send out these wish lists uh, every uh, three, four, six months about and what. And some, I was going to say, sometimes they can be very, very odd timing right like there yeah. are some where they say every three months and it's like every whenever they send it um Ex exactly yeah. exactly yeah. which but can when... be tough <laughs> to yeah i mean manage. It, it definitely shows you how in the in the mass market world there is a lot of turnaround uh when it comes to designing mm -hmm. games they, they they definitely don't do the whole okay, we're designing a game, we're iterating a lot on it, that takes us six months, and then we sign it, and we do some more development, and then a year and a half from now, we'll, do, we'll release the game. Um, it's definitely not that way, uh, at well, least in, for the mass market ones. And one of the other things for the mass market ones that's really interesting to me is, and I, I think this may have happened to you before as well, but ones that I've worked with before, you they'll say, we want this, this is our wish list, and then you pitch something off the wish list, and they come back and say, cool. Uh, now we actually want this to be totally different. Um, can you redo it like that? I, you've dealt with that too, haven't you? Um, to a certain extent, I guess for me, it's been like, uh, okay, I, I pitched something off the wish list, and this is this is a short story because I can't talk about the game, but the game that I designed while I was in Puerto Rico uh, was for a big publisher, and and you know I, I had like four iterations in, in five days. I was going mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. fast on this because it had a short turnaround time, and uh, it, it it worked out great. And I had a meeting; I think it was earlier this week, and it turns out that they had a similar version of this game coming out because it's essentially using an IP from one of their mm -hmm. all right, 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 and they had something similar coming out that was different, but it, it was just gonna you know be in the same audience and all that. So mm -hmm. it, 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 that was very sucky because of course the, the uh, brief that they sent said, okay, we want different games that use this IP. Uh, of course. Right. Right. I don't know which games they do have already on the pipeline. Right. Right. And that's so what's it, tough, right? You can look at what they have in the market, 
um you know um but but then yeah like it can be um you know it can be uh it can be tough because you know what's on the market but you don't know what's in the pipeline which could be five games right i mean like for that one ip or you know 30 games across ips and yes you hit one that's too similar and i've actually received that feedback from um larger publishers as well especially the mass markets where they'll come back and say this is really cool we actually have a game that's too similar to this too and then you're like first of all you're like well hey okay so it's good but then you're also like well crap like now how close is it like you want to ask like how close is it can i see this game i want to make and of course you can't right yeah, um, yeah, and, and, and it is it is int- the, the other I guess the big problem with that, and we are getting kind of in the weeds of it is that, and we're starting kind of back backwards, right? Kind of like okay, you get right, you, right, right, you right. pitch a game and you get you you're like it's not what we want, right? So the problem there is like you're stuck with this game that you may actually really enjoy, and what yes. are you going to do with it? Because sometimes it's so tied to a certain IP. Or, or a mechanism that it's really hard to change into something else that you're you're just stuck with nothing at the end, right? Um, so I have a question real quick here. I'm going to just, just throw this out for you and the listeners. So I think we've got enough to talk about, like just specifically designing on spec for what someone wants. Uh, what if you come back after this, uh, even the next episode, and let's talk about decoupling IP designs from that IP and turning it into something else. Yeah, yeah, or, for sure. Because that, already... like, I would, uh, oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts on that. <laughs> I'm working through that right now on four different games. So, well, there you go. Yeah. We, already, we already got the next one. We got to right, so write next, it down, though, So next time, uh, yeah. Well, we're I have to forget. edit this. I'll remember. <laughs> and then I'll schedule it. So, so listeners, we'll have Julio on. Hopefully in the next episode, if scheduling works out, uh, it should. It's like three weeks from now for us. So, um, yeah. Cool. All right. So designing the spec though. So can you just like define for the audience specifically what we're talking about here? Uh, because like you said, it's, it is like a contest, but it's different than a contest. Well, very, It's somehow similar and very different in my mind. I mean, I, I actually have different ways of defining it, uh, defining the spec. So as a general uh, way of defining it is essentially uh, designing a game under a certain direction, right? That's mm-hmm. the, that's the, the general way of seeing it. So again, uh, contests can fall into that. A uh, certain publisher looking for something specific can fall into that, or or just giving you a general direction again. So so uh, and and even you yourself can can decide to spec when you like a certain publisher and you look at what they have uh, uh, published and you're like, okay, I want to design a game that fits that audience. Uh, of course, it, it it's not as similar as the games that they already released, but designing to spec into uh, what a specific publisher usually works with. So there's a yep. different ways of seeing it. Of course, uh, the one that we were just talking about is the middle one where you're like, okay, you're you you get some direction from a publisher on what they are looking for. So right, the third one is what you think the publishers are looking for, and you're putting those uh, restrictions yourself. Um, so, uh, let's, let's start with the, with the middle ones as we've already been talking about it. Um, personally, uh, so far I I'm signing to maybe half a dozen different publishers that they just reach out every so often and they sent out a brief paper 
of course, to get this brief paper, you have to sign an NDA uh, right, right. that you cannot talk about anything that's in the, this brief paper with anybody. And I've come into situations, even with playtesting with people in Gensano, North Carolina, that I'm, I'm recording the places and I'm saying, okay, uh, this is the people that are here and you're essentially uh, agreeing that if you're going to play test this, you're gonna go, not going to talk about it because it's essentially I'm on their NDA. Right. So they should, they should be as right. well if they're going to play test it. Um, and we should, we should note to the, the listeners that from, at least from my experience, and I think you would agree based on what you just said, a lot of these themes, it's incredibly difficult to design a game for these that is subtle and doesn't, that somebody won't be like, Oh, <laughs> This is for this, um, at least the ones that I've worked with. When somebody says, this is the IP, design a game for this, it can be very difficult if you're like, you know, a theme is so important to me and my design, and I know it is for you too, like, you know, if you're designing for like an IP, that it's hard to to make it so that like your playtester wouldn't know, for instance, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's tough, you know? I mean, I usually will work with a co-designer, and then I luckily, for the one, one of the companies have several other design friends who have NDAs and I'll be like, I need you to play test this game because I can tell you about it because you also got the email, even though you're not working on this project and, and we can kind of pass that back and forth to one another. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a great resource to have. Of course, uh, our, our builders out there, that's probably not the case. And even myself, it's definitely hard for me to uh, get together with specific people to play test the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can, I, I, I get what I, I get what I get. And, and then sometimes I just have them, Hey, say on, on the recording that you're not going to talk about it just as a, as a rule there. Right. Right. Um, right. And, 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 and of course, you know, sometimes I even talk to people because I, you know, I trust them to a certain extent and it's not like, uh, mm-hmm. of course the amount of information that's given there is stuff that it's really not from our perspective is not that sensitive. Right. But from their perspective, ultimately, they're you're, you're, they're making you sign an NDA, so you can't really right. talk about it, even if it's not that big of a deal. And and, and one of the things that's interesting, we can we can talk about NDAs as long as we don't talk about companies. But some of the NDAs, including one you and I have both signed that for for the same place, you're not even allowed to talk about the company and the NDA as a thing, um, <laughs> yeah. which is really like <laughs> what. Um, so, so yeah. And that is one bonus is several times you and I have pitched for the same IPs. Um, and we've been able to go back and forth with it. And all of, I think the ones we've pitched to get the, you know, for the same IPs, neither one of us have gotten it. So yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's a very tough market. And, and that brings something that's very interesting because the, a, a lot of this specifically is like I said earlier for mass market. And it is a very competitive uh, uh, area to to be designing games on, and, very, and you know very. we're we're, we're accustomed to pitching in the in the hobby market, and it is very competitive there as well. But this is a whole different level. I mean, uh, like I said earlier, there's so much turnaround on this this kind of stuff. I mean, they have meetings uh, every every day essentially with people pitching them designs, and they have teams of sometimes ten people looking at designs. So mm-hmm. that just gives shows you the scope of, of how much they go through. And a lot of times, and this is kind of how, when you're new as a designer, how you think this stuff goes is that sometimes they just present ideas and, and sometimes they, they work on those ideas and, and, and that works that way. And, some, and sometimes that's why the mass market games are not as good as you, as you would want them to be because they're not developed as much. Um, 
but I think one of the things for at least some of the mass market companies that I think it, or they're doing right now that's so good that is making the games better than they were historically. Yeah. Um, is because you've got, you know, 20 talented designers pitching you their best ideas. Uh, and they're basically getting to cherry pick the best of the best ideas that they've received. Right. Or, or sometimes as we'll see ideas asked for multiple times, their answer is, uh, they just like um, they just tell everyone no, <laughs> which happens more than you would think where they just don't make the game or they put the game on hold. We've seen that happen multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it is definitely an interesting uh, situation to be working with, because in this case, we usually don't we usually tell you don't get attached to the designs. And this we we have to double down on that. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the game is going to get developed. Like I, so, you know, I've talked before about a game I had signed to a mass market company. That game changed literally, I would say 95% by the time we were done with it. And, (laughs) and then they, and then they couldn't, they couldn't find, you know, the right home for it um, in retail. And so, so it got pushed back to me. The cool thing was I, I own all of that stuff um, and they were clear on that. Um, so basically I got to work with a professional developer, uh, and get paid for it because, you know, they, they gave me an advance. So, so there were, there are some bonuses there, right? Like even if there's some downfalls, um, and really like talking to the people at those mass market companies, like they know what they're doing. Right. Um, like, and I feel like, you know, the, the, the game hunter people who are, you know, trying to find out which games they want. I love talking to them because even if they're turning your stuff down, you are getting like some instant, like they do this all day, like you said, right? Yeah. So if they show interest in something or they provide you feedback, that is really, really helpful um, because that is that is true. They're professionals. And one thing I've talked about in the past is the, especially in the hobby industry, is the lack of communication sometimes. Sometimes it takes months for you to get some information back. Now, I, yeah, I yeah. my experience so far with the mass market has been that you actually turnaround time is really quick. Uh, you know, some if they are it interested, can be. yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're interested, they'll they'll ask you for information, and and I have so far I've been getting re- responses back in less than than two months, uh, which is yeah, you know it's, yeah. it still seems like a lot of time, but it is pretty it's, quickly. Yeah, uh, I would say to- two months is a good average. Yeah, right around yeah. there. Um, you'll and, be like, oh, they passed. And then they're like, boom, <laughs> I want to know about these. And you're like, oh, okay. We have to hurry. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and to your point earlier that you were talking about, uh, a lot of multiple designers pitching to them and getting the cream of the crop there. Um, I think that definitely, uh, also, uh, has to do with, with hobby designers getting into that side of the market as well, because mm-hmm. it used to be like you had the toy, uh, p- uh people, right. On, on the mass market and then the hobby designers and and that was there was a there was a division there but now these lines seem to be blurring and you've got uh you know the toy people coming into hobby industry and and hobby industry coming into mass market uh and 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 that brings uh, a certain caliber at least from our side when it comes to development uh because we are just so accustomed of having a game that is work works to at a certain level that people really enjoy and, yes, yes. And, and that's what you want to bring forward. You just don't want to bring an untested idea. That just doesn't seem something that, that would work. And it's not going to work in the hobby industry. Well, And uh, I think I think just seeing the number of hobby designers and hobby game players 
that are diving into the mass market games now, not to just design them, but to buy them and to play them. Mm-hmm. That shows you how much improvement has come up uh, in that time, right? Um, yeah. And, and I I credit, like, for some of that, I would certainly credit design houses like Prospero Hall and stuff like that yes. for starting that trend. Uh, I know uh, that's something that Isaac uh, Shalev and I talked about one time when he was on the show. Like, they really... Um, they helped, you know, really um, bring things like they they taught us that IP games could be good, right? Yeah. And yeah. then once then once we realized that, we bought more. And then so they were like publishers were like, we want to make more good IP games. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Yeah, that that's a that's a great point. Um, and and another thing, obviously, that we, I know we're not really touching on, but it's true is the money aspect behind things, <laughs> you know, sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, sometimes and most of the time money is a good motivator and, and there's, there's definitely a lot more money in the, in the mass market side of things than a lot, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> than hobby. I mean, I, and I mentioned this in the past, but I had a game being evaluated on a, on a time commitment. And so I, I, I got paid uh, for just for them evaluating the game. And and right, that payment right. Which was that is than, insane, but yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean that's that's great, and and that payment was higher than most of the advances I've gotten in, in yeah, all the yeah. other designs that I signed. So and of course there's no commitment there. So it's crazy how so sometimes they can shell out that kind of money out there. So uh, that, that's definitely a motivator there. Now uh, let's let's go on the side of 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 designing here, right? Because it seems, and a lot of us, and and maybe the builders out there have worked on some sort of contest, uh, and and this is similar to that, you know, in a sense, they they essentially tell you this is kind of what we're looking for. They give you a, a certain general direction, as I said earlier, and and you can decide whatever you want to make up with that. You can you can work on that, uh, and it, it can it, it is fairly fairly open. Because they don't know what they're looking for, right? That's where they're looking for designers to design the games. Right. So, right. so it, a lot of times the direction will be: here's how much we want the game to cost, here's <laughs> our target audience, and here's what not to do. Like, yeah, you get more of that than you'd expect. Like, we don't want one of my favorite things from Mass Market One is no plastic. <laughs> like, they're saying yeah. we don't want toys to be a part of this, right? We want it to just like, you know, or they'll say nothing like this, you know. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite ones that I've seen from mass markets is we don't want to, we don't want the the game to be a walkthrough of the movie, which always cracks me up, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That's a great point. So, so it, it does open up to, to have some freedom when it comes to the design. So I, I do encourage builders out there. Uh, if, if you can find information on a certain publisher that you may want to work with and, and try to make that connection where, at least pitch them one game and they're like, Oh, this is something that, uh, I, 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 it's not for us, but if you have something else in the future and you just open that window, uh, for them to, to give you that information, it is just as simple as a contest. However, uh, you know, a contest usually have two three months to work on, uh, maybe less. And in these situations, it like, again, turnaround time is fast. So, so it really gives you that pressure of, okay, I got to work on this and I got to uh, test it as much as I can and have a, a, the best possible product that I can show in, in two weeks time. Um, yep. And the other thing that I think that is important is 
if you can get a pitch with one of those publishers, that pitch may very well involve an NDA. And once yeah. you have the NDA, you have the option sometimes of beginning put on the list. Sometimes they won't even ask you. They'll just put you on the list, yeah. uh, which is good. You want that, right? Um, yeah. You know, and uh, I think that that's, that is a door to open. One of the other things I just wanted to point out, we were talking about like game cost, right? Like if you're dealing with like a, a small hobby publisher or even a mid-range hobby publisher and they say, we want the game to cost $25, that is a very different game than a mass market publisher saying we want the game to cost $25. Yeah, um, And true. as evidenced by that, go out and buy a mass market $25 hobby game that's been produced by the mass market and then take one of the ones you paid probably more than that. Um, yeah, I would say that, gosh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the mass market, a $25 game is probably at least a $35 to $40 game in the hobby. No, Yeah, that's uh, true. You that's look at true. a game like Summer Camp that just came out, like that game has so much stuff in it. It's 25 bucks. Wow. Um, yeah. at Target. And that's in the hobby game market, that'd be a 40 to $50 game all day long. And that's, yeah. You know, I mean, that's when you print in higher cost numbers, you've talked about that in, in a previous episode mm-hmm. with, uh, yep. with, uh, T. Karis, uh, Haba that the higher the number of, of, uh, production, the, the cheaper the game, uh, exactly. and, and they're printing in the tens of thousands, you know, where, where, where in the, in the, in the hobby, usually you get maybe a $5,000, uh, a five thousand print run, uh, and right, that's right. that's a lot. So so that there, there's definitely a, a power in numbers there. So absolutely. So yeah, um, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, and this is kind of some. I guess I didn't talk about this in the er, earlier in the episode, but another type of of design to spec, uh, spec, and I said it earlier is when when a company uh, has specific. Uh, uh, I guess, uh, um, outline of what they want. And the reason why I brought this up is because I've actually been, uh, hired by a company to design a, a game. Um, and, and this is, this is a uh, very interesting because it, it came as an opportunity where they are looking to design a certain type of game for a specific audience. And I just essentially, he said, okay, let's, let's meet, uh, in two days time and that was it just to talk about what they were had as a as a company what they were thinking about and in that time i already had the outline and i'm like okay this is what uh my initial ideas are mm-hmm. and yeah it, yeah it, it was such a great meeting that they're like yeah we're we're, we're in on this and and we want to we want to hire you so uh of course i kind of sent my portfolio of designs that i'm currently pitching and that kind of showed some sort of you know caliber right, there, right? right. Because I, I my yep. current design portfolio is like seventeen games that I'm currently ready to just uh, pitch, um, and that's what I sent them, and and that definitely gave that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. This this guy you know is not is not a, an amateur, I guess. Um, so so it's it's pretty cool. Uh, it, it is something that I'm really excited about. Of course, it, it is a little. Uh, I guess nerve wracking because you are essentially under a contract and you basically have a little part-time job doing a specific design. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and in this case, it is a company that they're looking to get into, into the board game space. So it is there. It's a very profitable company from outside board games that wants to do board games. Uh, so it is very different because obviously in this kind of thing, with, with a publisher, it's usually, okay, they're just accepting ideas. In this case, they're already paying me to design something that hasn't even 
been proven to right, be right. right. So it's really, really interesting. Um, and and I'm 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 very excited about that. Of course, with this kind of thing, it's very flowy when it comes to mm-hmm. design. Like I I brought some ideas, initial ideas, and then we met a couple of days later, and I had developed it uh, th- those ideas into something much uh, more developed more developed uh and 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 they um and they were they they had some questions and it was very back and forth type of deal and and a lot of those things kind of it was a very reactive kind of designing right based on that feedback how i can incorporate what they wanted and of course i had some pushback as well kind of like saying okay no that's that can be this way because so and so and so um, and and I, I really appreciate I guess my my experience right now that I've that I've gained over the years uh, and I can talk with that certainty right that this kind of thing can or may not or will not work type of deal or something that yep. may or may not may work as well um, so so that is a, 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 a interesting um, situation to be in and exciting as well so uh, that is something that I'll hopefully talk about in the future uh, yeah, but it, but it is uh, something that also happens. You know, if you're looking to get into design uh, or even development side of board games, uh, and this is something that that can happen as well, where you already have something as a base, and you are growing on that. Of course, as a developer, you already have a design that's been play tested, and you're trying to make it better. And as a designer, you have something that the company wants, and you you build just from that. And based on their feedback and as as uh, iteration comes in, uh, how you can change it and make it better that way. So it's it's uh, it's very interesting and it's something that I'm excited to be working on. Yeah. And I can actually. So this is something I did as well. Um, a couple of years ago now, uh, I designed I that education company I reached out to uh, yeah. and was like, hey, you know, um, I design board games. Would you be interested in making a board game uh, of your product? And they were like. Yeah. And so, you know, we sat down and um, unlike you, I didn't have time to prepare um, because um, because we sat down and I didn't know what they wanted. Right. And they yeah. said, well, what would a board game look like? And I said, well, what what are you what are your goals? They told me their goals. And then I did what we do on the show. I pitched a game on the spot um, and it was I mean, so some some good news for me. I'm doing that right. This was for kids. This was about learning to read. This was not a complex game, right? And I, yeah. what I pitched to them in that moment was probably ended up being 90% state of, of that state in the game with additions, of course, and in a few tweaks here and there um, and some other things changed. But I mean, like that, you know, and that sold them just kind of like your first meeting, right? Where when I got done, they were like, let's do this. And, and, you know, the best part about it was, well, there was the nerve wracking of this deadline and stuff and, and was, Hey, we're going to pay you like, and they said, you know, what do you want for this? I said, uh, here's what I normally spend in a game. This is how many hours I would spend. This is the type of thing. This is what I'd like to get paid. And they said, okay. And they paid me half up front and the other half when I was done. And, uh, and that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so it's, uh, that is certainly something I've reached out to some other people like, Hey, would you be interested in having a, a game for your product line? Uh, and I've been rejected on those. Like some of them, we've made it a ways. We've worked on a game. We've pitched them the game. And then they just said, you know, right now it doesn't make sense. Um, mm. But I've had others just say like, no, I'm not interested. And But I mean, you, you, uh, you swing for it, right? Because those yeah. really are interesting jobs for designing the spec. Because 
um, because you're you're guaranteed getting paid. Where normally we're designing on spec, which is you design a game that may never do anything, and you're basically designing it for free, right? Other yeah. than what you learn and what you gain out of it. Um, so so yeah, I, I those those gigs are are good. Yeah, so it is interesting. Is- I mean, it is something that I, I guess I've never really thought about. Just kind of uh, going to a company that that they don't really are delving in the in the game industry, and but they could still work on the production side of things. I guess that's a that's a balancing act there, um, and and doing that. So it's something that I'll, 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 I'll maybe I may be thinking about. Maybe that's a that's a that's a great one, Jason. Um, so. What are let's uh you you've uh let's talk about some of the other things of those one two threes. Yeah, so so I, I talked about you know the the um having a certain uh certain brief of a game and ex- uh, working on an existing property as well because that's an that's an another interesting one because there's the one where you have maybe an IP and you're trying to make a game out of that IP. Now there's another one where they have a very popular game and they want you to expand on that game. So at this point, the, those specs get a little more constricting, right? Because you want the game to feel like that other game, but you don't want it to be that game, right? Because why would you design the same game? They don't want, they don't want that. They want something different that feels similar. And, and that is something very abstract, but it is something that you can definitely feel uh, when you're playing the game, and it and this is where it really gets uh, difficult because if if it works really well, and they may not want it, uh, then th- these is, these are the kinds of designs that you may just have to uh, put you know shelve it and not see it again. Uh, right, right. But that kind of direction, the more specific it is for some people. It is more liberating that way because you don't have to think about a lot of other stuff, uh, and you know the, the, you don't have a big sandbox here. You're, you you have a very limited amount of resources that you can work with, and of course the ingenious part is how to make it so w- with those resources get that final product that is what they want, and mm-hmm. it, it, with designs. There's never that answer of oh, oh no it can't be done, no that's that's not an answer. I mean we're, we're <laughs> right we're we're designing fun here, and there's always a way of doing things. We just can't think of that way right now if you're blocked or anything. So, so in that situation, it, it is interesting because uh, especially if you're uh, if you know this design in a certain way, if you played it, and you probably have if they're looking to expand a certain game because it is so popular that and you know we're talking mass market so you you may well it's <laughs> i would i would challenge that and say it's not though because more and more companies now are developing like their own ips right like even look at a company like grand gamers guild um you know who did on real estate and has done some others like they are taking certain games they have and trying to make lines out of them right or you see it too with like um with like Burnt Island games, right? On yeah. you know, Helena Capel. Like you've got the Mountain King stuff now. And they're clearly, you know, making their own IPs and trying to push forward with those. And I, I think that's genius. Like I think it's super smart to do that. Um, because if you get people hooked on an idea, um, why not? You know, it works for mass market. It can work for not mass market too, I think. 
obviously it's harder, right? Because yeah, you're yeah, dealing with smaller sure. quantities. But if you can keep people interested and just keep pushing forward, I, I think that's brilliant and in a great way to do extra marketing for your games. Um, and I'm not just talking about expansions, right? I'm talking about like new standalone games in in certain like IP lines and they're just owned IPs by companies uh, that aren't necessarily true mass market companies, right? Yeah, but it is definitely something that I've done as well. Um, and this is one, um, um, uh, Onitama, the Onitama publisher, uh, Arcane Wonders, I think it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Onitama is a game that's definitely fairly popular. It's been around for a couple of years. And, it's a good one. And, yeah, and I've designed a game uh, that is not necessarily for for uh, that specific uh, uh, IP, but it works really well with it. And, and that is something that, hey... If if you can uh, link a certain design with a certain IP and and pitch it that way for you to expand a, a mm-hmm. popular IP, then do that. And that kind of links it to the third one that I wanted to talk about, which is designing to a publisher spec from your perspective, right? So whatever they've uh, they published in the past, uh, or as you get to know them more, uh, designing to what they like to publish. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this is something that I actually this is I, this is something that I may have been doing since the start um, because I, I I sometimes try to design games where uh, of course I I've always said this language independence and and uh, uh, welcoming game a gateway game less than 45 60 minutes uh, and and a lot of companies can encompass those specific uh, uh, specs right. Uh, high mm-hmm. maybe a high player count, uh, something that's outside the two to four, right? You, you know, two to seven, two to six, two to eight, uh, that kind of stuff that brings more people to the table. Um, so in in that case, uh, when you really like a publisher or you really like a game, you want to be a part of that. Uh, and in t- to some sense, right? Maybe you want to be part of that success. Uh, in a sense, like it, you, you know, I, I had you know my game from Pandasaurus games and plug games. Uh, those are publishers that have had their fair share of success in different games. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I pitched some games to them because I know they've been successful in the past and, and hopefully with my games, they can be successful again. Um, so that, that is ultimately sometimes you have that kind of personal goals in, in mind when it comes to that. But uh, there's a lot of information out there from, from those publishers and what they've done you know, especially like board game geek and all that, and that can give you a, a spec that you you're setting yourself out these limitations to sp- uh, pitch to a specific publisher. And even if it, it doesn't have to be a specific publisher, right? Because a lot of publishers have different aligning uh, um, uh, directions when it comes to publishing certain mm-hmm. games. So yeah. you just have to find them, right? Once once you have a game designed, and and uh, even then. Like if you have a, a an idea for a game that no publisher in mind or anything, after you design a game, what do we do? We look for a publisher that right that yeah. fits that yeah. design, right? So to a sense, mm-hmm. we we design to a spec that we didn't know was there until we have to pitch it, right? And sometimes designing to that spec out of time makes it much easier, right? To say what publishers do I want to work with, you know? And it's just and the nice thing is you can say I want to work with this publisher. You design the game, they don't want it. 
you just go to you just now proceed to step two, which is what other publishers might this fit? Because surprisingly, you know, I guess I was going to say not surprisingly, lots of publishers are looking for the same types of things, right? Yeah, uh, they all have their specialities and the things they really like. Um, but you know, even to say like I'm going to design a game that one of these three publishers might pick up. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's smart. I've certainly done that before. I've had it like you know, I mean. Uh, with Into the Black Forest, I set out to design a game and I tried this multiple times and failed. I wanted to design a game that would fit in Green Couch's line because I respect, you know, Kacharski is one of my best friends, but I also super respect what his company does. And I wanted to have a game in their line. And so I, you know, I worked on it until I finally found like a match for it. And yeah. I knew what I did because I saw his eyes light up and I'm like, okay, I did it. I got it. <laughs> like he gets this. Yeah, this is I, the game. I, I was there. Um, I was there. I yeah. remember. Yes. You, oh yeah, you were. Yeah. And it was, uh, and that was, that's a great feeling. Um, wh- one other thing about a different way to design on spec that I, I want to throw out there, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, a number four. So, and it's something I'm actually doing right now with, uh, with a few designers, uh, with, um, uh, Neil and with Kelly, and uh, we're going to get do a little game design retreat. We'll do an episode for that when we do that, where we'll all chat about what we're working on. And we're going to talk a bit more about this game. So I'm not going to talk much about the game. I just want to kind of throw out the idea uh, for so how useful. we did it. Yeah, No, I no, it's about <laughs> designing on spec, though. So this is why it's <laughs> okay, useful. Okay, sure, you'll, sure. you'll be like, oh, that was useful. All right. So we had these ideas, and um, and we were kind of like, what direction do we want to take this in? And and we've all been like all of us have played, you know, the Wolfgang Warsh games. And we really like that's a designer I super respect. And like there's something about those games that really just click for the three of us. So like our spec was like, all right, like let's look at what what we love about the games he's done that we love. And let's like like how because this game is a little more complex, but we want to ramp into the complexity and like uh wolfgang warsh is incredibly good at that i think ramping up complexity within a game Mm -hmm. so like it's forced us to basically look at our game idea through the lens of a different designer who we respect right yeah um and it's so that's really interesting right because it's just it, it forces you to say but does this check these boxes and it's like oh it doesn't okay well then no then that's not gonna work like back up you know, and then if it really doesn't check a box, but we're all like, no, but this is it. Like, this is what works. That's okay too. Right. Cause you've got your checks and balances. Like, um, and, yeah. and that we found really useful, um, you know, whether it's a style or a designer or whatever, it's, it's useful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And it's funny that you said the style, because I think it, it does play a big part on, on our personal design styles. Right. Because mm-hmm. for me, I, I think personally, I don't think it's something that uh, I, I really think about. Of course, it is something that's always influenced me, right? Uh, even with the games that I play, I play of certain course, games, yeah. and those are the games that I usually like to design. Um, so I, it's not like I'm thinking of a specific game or a specific pub, uh, uh, um, designer, but it is something that definitely influences the design. So. It is definitely a fourth one, but I think it's definitely one that influences your style specifically, and, right? And one that can influence my style in a different way. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, and I think that just you know, with you talk about your own personal style, like we all definitely have a personal style. Like, and it's funny because I think some designers, even myself, sometimes would have trouble quantifying what exactly our personal style is. 
But like yeah. as you design more, you'll start to see it, right? You'll look back mm-hmm. and be like, yeah. oh, I tend towards card games. Like I tend towards puzzly things, right? Like those are things that I like. Um, and then that helps you identify what the pitfalls are to designing like that, right? And that's when you can look to other styles or other designers to where you say, oh, they're always really good at handling that. Like, you know, I remember when I was originally like, there are companies that I look up to for the way they write rules in their books, right? Like, like they're just incredibly clear. And I think more and more companies are getting better at it. Yeah. I think for a long time, a lot of hobby game companies were not great <laughs> at writing rules that were relatable. Um, and as somebody who's very like challenged by that, like it made me not play a lot of games if I was going to have to learn myself. And I've been pleasantly surprised the, especially the, the mid range publishers who can, print like a 10 page rule book with tons of color examples and things. It just like, you know, it just makes it so much easier. And I think, you know, there are games that like the games that you design, a lot of the games I've played of yours, like they need that. Right. Because while they're not complicated, they do have some complexity to them. And it's nice to see those, you know, uh, examples and stuff. So like, that's another thing that like, I've, you know, tried to follow with other publishers. And I know that's kind of outside of the spec realm, but, um, you know, it's, it's, well, those are all it, tools that help. It is outside for sure, but it is essentially specifications of a game. Right, 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 right. right. That's yeah. what the rules are. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, in engineering, that's what I do. I have to design a project and I have to make specifications for the project to, to instruct how to, how to construct certain things and stuff like that. And that's what rules are. So that's the specs of the specs. So. <laughs> Right, right. And I think one last note on that number four with designing to a specific style or designer or that kind of spec, that I think comes really in handy when you're co-designing because what Mm -hmm. it's done for Neil Kelly and I is it's developed a shorthand. Like we don't have to just say, I I don't like that because we can say, hey, does this fit our style and our goal we're going for? And a lot of times it's like, oh, no, it doesn't. You're right. And like it simplifies the conversation, right? You know, you pin that goal up and we actually defined like, this is the specific thing we're trying to do. Like every time we make a decision, we ask ourselves if it's problematic, like, does that fall outside of that? Um, And if it does, we have to really consider it. So highly recommend doing that. Um, You know, and that can be the specifications just of design goals, even just setting your design goals. Yeah, and um, I think that's, that was our last avoid. our last uh, topic, right? Goals, right? Yes, set those <laughs> goals. <laughs> Short term, long term. Yes, yes. Goals are super important, and I think you need specific goals for any game you're designing. Uh, once you get into it, you know it's cool if you just want to throw out some ideas and you know make a quick thing. But like, I generally design with a specific goal in mind of like I want to use the style of this classic game, or I want to have this happen. You know, I mean, I think it's important. So you're too constrained, Jason. I just have an idea and I design around it. Let's do that. Cause everyone's <laughs> brain works differently and yours <sighs> works like a big engineer brain. And that's not yeah. how mine works. You're like, how do I use the box? <laughs> so oh, uh, it's been a while. It's been a while since I designed a I, game that uses the box. So I'm sad for that. Like that is like, I thought that was going to be your thing. And that was going to be the next big thing. It's like every game uses the box. Cause that's what Julio did. But now maybe not, maybe not. Yeah. There's still a couple. Again, it's, it's, uh, I'm still waiting to find a publisher for them. That's, that's right. just kind of how that works. Okay. So are you ready for me to pitch a game? I am ready for you to pitch a game. I'm always ready for you to pitch a game. 
Awesome, awesome. So this game is the one that I designed the day before I left for Puerto Rico. And I probably right, right. play tested it maybe 20 sometimes. Um, I'm hoping it's a short game if you've played yeah. tested it that much. Well, that's good. <laughs> it sure is, sure is. So the game is called Freehand. Okay. So in this one specifically, I'm trying to the, – the reason why it's called that is because you're trying to – to use a freehand type of style to draw certain things. Now, drawing, that seems to be overused, right? But there's no specific ink here. So the way you're working in this game is that everybody gets a little pen that doesn't have any ink or it's just a stick, essentially. And you get this uh, little, um, um, not, not a box, a, a, a bag of components. And these components are essentially what I call microcubes. And these microcubes are five millimeter uh, by five millimeter. And just as a perspective, the normal cubes that we use, those are ten, uh, one centimeter cubes, right? Uh, no, uh, these are these are the smaller ones, see? Uh, no, that's oh, not Oh, no, five they millimeter. are. No, I'm thinking of two centimeter. Sorry. This is good podcasting. I'm, I'm holding up cubes here. It's great. <laughs> yep, that's great. So, so they're essentially a, fi a five millimeter cube is one eighth of the size of a one centimeter cube. So they're really small. So one of these small bags, and these bags are like two inches, has like 50 of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so the amount of material used for these cubes is like the equal amount of five uh, of uh, eight centimeter cubes. So, so they're really small to get 50 of them. So the way you're working in this game is a competitive game, and it goes from three to eight players. And everybody gets a pile of these little cubes of their color and a pen of their color. And you just get a deck of cards of different complex pictures. Uh, and you, depending on the number of players, number of players plus one, you just put out cards around the table. And without telling anybody, you choose one of those cards to represent. Uh, you're not you're not telling anybody which one it is. You tr just try to get an element from that card. You represent it by drawing using the cubes. Of course, you have 50 of them, so they're really small. You can get your little pen, and you're trying to freehand draw using the cubes. Uh, of course, everybody's doing this at the same time. And there's a little uh, sand timer, 20-second sand timer, that whoever finishes first picks it up and does the 20 seconds. And once that's off, everybody has to stop doing their drawing. And then starting with the first person that got the sand timer, you get to guess what somebody picked as their drawing based on their picture. And you get two rounds of this because essentially the first rotation, if you get somebody's uh, card right, you get a point and that person gets a point as well for them being guessed right. Now, if it comes around again, that second guess, if, no, uh, if you get it right, only you get the point. Okay, okay, yeah. When somebody guesses your card, you take your pen, which is your color, and you point it at the card that was yours. And at the end of those two rotations, whoever had picked the only card, like if I was the only one to pick this card, I also get another point. Cool, cool. So there's those three ways of getting points. Now, the ingenious part is how do you count your points? You take the microcubes off your drawing area to count your points. So you're taking material <laughs> off uh, that you're using to draw. So it gets a little harder to draw because you have less mm -hmm. material to draw with. Uh, right, and right. essentially, 
that's just a, a, a round, and whoever gets 10 points first wins the game. That's that's really interesting. Gosh, that yeah, that sounds really difficult, first of all, but also really interesting. Are the cubes multicolored or is it just like outlines? So so the, the cubes are just one color for everybody. So you're not really okay. You, you can use your color to represent something, but it's really about the shape. And right, right. I did say that I had to design I had to get a prototype together for this game uh, the day before I left. Uh, for Puerto Rico. And it was interesting because I had these micro cubes in my uh, component pile since the first game I designed Timber Tactics. Oh! Because I was looking for components at the time. I didn't know that you right, could get right. tubs and stuff like that. And I got these beads. They're like little uh, rounded cube beads. Uh, and uh-huh. they're, you know how beads are? They're really small like that. And, yeah, and yeah. that was the perfect component for them. And I had like 10 different colors. Of nice. course, when I first started, I took like this uh, stakes that you use for, for skewers, like wooden skewers. But as I play tested the game, I figured out the whole using your color to point at the card to get extra points. And I got mm-hmm. like colored pencils and just took out the, the, the coloring part of it, just took out the, the point. And, and I've been using that. And the game has been working. So I'm really excited about awesome. pitching this yeah. one. Very cool. Very that cool. That is Freehand. If the builders and out there And that's a great have... name too. That is a fantastic name for the game as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it is something that uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be bringing with me and the next uh, convention I'm going to is The Gathering. That's on uh, less than a month from now, uh, August uh, 23rd that I'm, I'll be going. So hopefully I also, I'll, I've already been kind of approaching different publishers about getting some some meetings together. Uh, and of course, I'm going to be breaking, bringing all my designs with me. Um, yeah, I would too. Why not? Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And that's a free hand. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I hope that finds a home while you're there. All right. Well, hey, this was a fun, fun conversation about designing to spec. So we've talked about different iterations of that, but I feel like this was a really nice new conversation to have around this. Yeah, I'm always trying to bring that new topic. I'm I'm running out of ideas, but we're still able to make it happen. (laughs) We'll make it happen. So, well, we already have our next one, so we're going to do that. So hopefully we'll be back next week with that. Um, You'll find out in a week. So, yeah. But, hey, thank you for hanging out with us and listening tonight. Uh, As always, if you want to get in touch with us, go to buildinggamepodcast.com. Check out our Discord there. Um, also email us to building game podcast at gmr.com. Call us at seven, seven, Oh, tell BTG. Find us on the Twitter at podcast BTG at J a Slingerland at who Nasaru. And you can also, of course, uh, come back next week. That's the best way to find us. Cause guess what? We'll be here every single week. All right. Until next time. Good night. Buenas noches. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770-TEL-BTG. Please don't use the email.